Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back for another week of the amazing race. Here we are, eight weeks in, leg number nine in the books. Next week is the finale as our four teams uh, will face off one last time in a two-hour amazing race finale coming up next week. But here to talk about the uh, penultimate leg is our amazing race panel, a panel that combines the wisdom of Socrates and the cynicism of Diogenes every single week for you here <laughs> on the recap. Of course, our chief amazing race correspondent. Please welcome back. Jessica Lee's Jess, how are you? Doing great, Rob. Crawled out of my jar just for all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to talk about this week's leg of the race. Um, Mike Bloom has his, has a hoodie on and it's zipped up to his neck. Oh, no. So I'm a little bit concerned. Also, I can't bring a bit in because if I bring in any kind of one-liner, it's just going to get topped in 30 seconds. So it's like, I should just come on here and be like, hey, Rob, it's great to see you. Can't wait to talk about the amazing race. Why do yes. I try to be funny? That's not my job. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You're you're bringing the cynicism of Diogenes uh, into the podcast already. I'm sure Mike Bloom doesn't have anything uh, out of the ordinary uh, planned. He seems like uh, that's his normal, no, it's, just it's a normal cold. sweatshirt on. It's it's, it's cold chilly on the East Coast. Okay, we got hit with a cold spell. Now that being said, I am feeling rather hot. Maybe it's just like the. The, the effort of me searching under rocks for three hours. So, I mean, if you don't mind, I will. <laughs> Good Lord. Slips into something a little more comfortable. I am a Micrates. Welcome, plebeians. He didn't bring the wisdom, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, just, I have wisdom in space. Could you describe uh, for our podcast listeners uh, who are not watching the video uh, what has happened? Well, I want to start by saying that uh, Sam Moore, our behind-the-scenes guy, has just typed in the private chat, why, all in caps. <laughs> yeah? Just to start, just to set the scene Wow, here. that's very Socratic, though, right? The Socratic mm-hmm. method is it can keep asking questions. I think why is very valid. It, it is because I'm wondering the same thing myself, um, except I know the answer is because Mike. Um, so Mike is wearing a toga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is, yeah, he is shirtless, save for a, you know, toga top. Yeah. I also want to say that I have seen Mike without a shirt on more than any other human uh, in <laughs> the last month without a shirt on. Okay. I, I do have a wife, you know, right, Rob? Is that, is that a I, that, That's commentary on me, Mike. That's not commentary oh, okay. on you. I was going to say, listen, somebody's got to bring in the clicks, Rob. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that I have this bodacious boss <laughs> that I need to show off. I'm like Ryan and Dusty. You know, I got to, I got to strip stuff off. You're the Raquel and Kayla's and the pit stop greeters making jabs at me. Look, I'm just here to dispense some wisdom. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all have two ears and one tongue <laughs> to lick other dogs that follow other teams around. Um, Mike, can we ask you about the uh, the DIY toga? I mean, like the process. Yeah, yeah. What would you? <laughs> I mean, it's is it that is, a sheet uh, or a towel? 
It's a sheet. It's, yeah. No, it's if, if it's a towel, like, uh, God help me, if I cover myself in terry cloth, I'd be a puddle by the end of this. <laughs> uh, no, it is a sheet. It is probably way too many safety pins. I may or may not be bleeding at the end of this, much like Kayla did when she was throwing those plates mm-hmm. in that detour. But mostly it's kept together with just the, the sweet old gumption. You know, the amazing race is about how you keep at it no matter how lost you get. And no matter how lost I got, in this billowy fabric, mm-hmm. the idea of bringing forward this identity to you today was what kept me going, kept me one step at a time getting to this proverbial pit stop. Okay. All right. I'm going to go over there and uh, take in the view <laughs> and just take a minute to rest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, okay. yo, is this not a good enough view for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, and she's left and yes. she's gone. Okay. All right. Uh, Jess is going to collect herself and then she's going to come back. Uh, in the meantime, here we are uh, one week away from the finale. Uh, next week, we uh, plan to bring you interviews uh, with the final four teams. And, and I have to say, I, I've really enjoyed uh, this season, but specifically uh, these final four teams. Uh, what, what a group. What a group. Uh, not, not a dud among them. It's a really fun group. And I think it also helps that we really really got to know them right that is a fringe benefit yeah. of having a bunch of end game stuffed non-elimination legs is that essentially we get to know them for maybe twice as many legs as they would normally last mm-hmm. uh, to the point where they're like all right well we don't really have much other stuff about them let's talk about you know uh raquel and kayla's financial situation let's talk about dusty's anger issues and i do feel like in a time where reality tv we are getting more and more cynical about like genuine human moments and getting to know these contestants the year of people. diogenes yeah the uh, the amazing race i think is delivering due to the circumstances they were unfortunately handed it's a great group uh, yeah, yeah there's usually there's usually one team even by the time we get to the final four we're like well there's these guys these guys these guys and who is the other team yeah the, gold, but, the golden boy yeah the um i think the logan and london of the group mm-hmm. if you will Um, we can't, you know, I even took me a second to remember who those people were. Um, there's always that one team where you can't remember that they're still on the show. And we didn't have that, I think at any point this season. So that was, yeah, especially post blip. Yeah. Especially post blip. Yeah. And I am a little annoyed though, that we were so close to having the scenario (laughs) that I wanted, I so wanted Ryan and Dusty to come in third, so Arun and Natalia would be spared elimination again. Well, I don't think we were that close, Rob. Oh, you know the oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, listen, it's a concern that the big, uh, you know, to do was like, oh man, did Arun and Natalia get lost? That Ryan and Dusty searching it for rocks for nearly three hours, mm-hmm. uh, they were somehow able to cover the leave. Now look. It's happened before. I'm looking at like Amazing Race Four with Kelly and John and Millie and Chuck in terms of like incredible comebacks. But I did not think it was happening here, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, the Oracle of Delphi was not able to deliver in that regard. But look, it was win-win to me. Either we get, like, you know, Darkest Timeline and Arun Natalia become the first team to come in last place four times. Or Ryan and Dusty, who a month ago we were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be such a boring season. These guys are going to run away with it end up finishing in last and getting saved by the final non-elimination. Like, I don't think any of us would have predicted that at all. Even last week. They hit rock bottom, would you say? We're all just going to sit here. I thought you were all frozen (laughs) for a second. No. 
No. no. The stones did the men. Okay. All right. So. We couldn't get no satisfaction. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go through this uh, leg, which I, again, I think was more uh, fun. Uh, I thought this was like, a, I was entertained, but I feel like uh, as far as like, um, you know, um, death defying stunts, uh, not really this time around. I mean, there were three tasks. Mm -hmm. That's wild to me, Mm -hmm. right? It was roadblock. It was listen to Socrates Johnson talk for like two or 20 seconds Mm -hmm. and give his performance to Mm -hmm. you and then detour. And then that was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really was shrinking back on what we were really enjoying. I think a lot about the post blip amazing race in particular, which is providing more space, both in a distance perspective and in terms of tasks and I think as a result, it made the basically the first task determine how everything was going to shake out. Mm-hmm. And that's never great on The Amazing Race. Despite all that, I thought the team drama in particular, like, I will flat out say I was riveted by the Ryan and Dusty stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into it. But like, I was, it was a really interesting episode for them. Obviously not their finest hour, but kind of in a way in the form of characterization and that we saw a brand new side of them. And this is a case where I think the quality of the teams supersedes what I would say is some very shaky leg design. Okay. So uh, the teams are going to depart in two groups to go head to the uh, Teatro Dasis. Uh, So we get Jess once again, Raquel and Kayla. Finally, this pays off that today is going to be their day. Yeah. And maybe now we can put aside the idea or at least it kind of takes away a little bit of credence you know we were talking about maybe this means they're going to win the whole thing because they kept talking about how they hadn't won a leg and hadn't won a leg and maybe this is that payoff maybe there is no other payoff i mean i don't know that doesn't mean that they can't still win yeah but they did say they called their shot at the end of the race where they said that hey we are going to be the fourth uh all-female team to win the amazing race. And this is the kind of stuff that when like I, I sit up a little bit in my seat when I hear it, I say, OK, is, is this foreshadowing or is this just like a conversation? Yeah, it's interesting that they called out the statistic because mm-hmm. I feel like they want you to remember that that's an unusual thing. Mm-hmm. Someone on Reddit was saying that it's been 40 legs since an all female team has won a leg, which is kind of wild. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wild because I also saw a post on Reddit that had been a bit of a discussion as to like, why are there only three female female teams that have won so far? And it's a really interesting discourse about how, especially in early seasons, uh, the the aesthetic they were going for with all female teams was not really comparable to what they were going for with male male or even male female teams of not necessarily going for athleticism. To be candid, it would either be the older mom types who don't necessarily do well, or it would be the, we use our looks to get by type of team. Uh, And sometimes they do well, right? Like Dustin and Candace Mm -hmm. kick a lot of butt during their two seasons on the race. But when it comes to comparing them to the other teams that they usually cast early on in the seasons, it can be somewhat understandable why we didn't get our first female, female winner team until season 17. And then even after that, in seasons 18 and uh, and 25, I would not say that those winning teams were not necessarily like 
you know, in the upper echelon of teams for that season either. And so I think that even still through to, you know, some of these more modern day seasons, I I think for whatever reason, whether it be the tasks or the casting, we look to a lot of these female, female teams and be like, they they have the goods, but especially when it comes to things like, you know, a lot of upper body strength and endurance that predicates a lot of these amazing race tasks. When you bring in so many male, male teams, we got like five this season compared to, I think, two uh, female, female teams. It's it's understandable, unfortunately, why the things weigh out the way they do. Jess, are you struggling like I am to uh, take Mike's uh, very good points uh, serious uh, as he's uh, gesticulating in the toga? Well, I... I closed out the window where I can see you a while ago. Listen, just imagine yourself in Thessaloniki sitting there in the teatro as Mike Ratiz steps forward and gives his sermon about equity based on gender and reality television. Mm -hmm. Just place yourself back. I will not. <laughs> okay. Um so Ryan and Dusty and boy what a like a uh, gift Dusty and Emmy uh for this season of the Amazing Race. <laughs> Give him an Emmy. Boy. Yeah. Very very good, good boy. Very good boy. Uh At least let him be in the puppy bowl. Yeah. Um Ryan and Dusty they get they get out the gate. Uh here is here's Dusty. What do we got? Route info here. <laughs> is it turning to a donkey now? <laughs> okay so all right they, they head out leave no stone unturned uh just a, a classic amazing race uh test here for the teams this week yeah i think you mean leave no stone unturned mm-hmm. yeah yes. just like the the Sivlaki lady where like they kept turning to the oracle and she had to keep saying the same line over and over again <laughs> She was into it. She was, the Oracle of Delphi was really like, uh, you know, she was locked in. I would have had a hard time at that task not trying to make the Oracle break character. Like, it's mm, like the Buckingham like, Palace guards. I was about to say the exact same thing of just like, all right, I've got to make her break. I would personally try to be big braining it and being like, is there some sort of context clue in here? I feel like they sometimes do that on The Amazing Race, right? Where, like, you, you, if you pay attention to the environment around you, maybe that's more of something akin to, like, the mole than it is The Amazing Race. But I did think for a hot second that maybe the way the actors were arranged was, like, pointing an arrow or something towards the general location that all four of those coins were. Yeah, so... Four coins are hidden underneath the rocks. I, I think what really threw the teams off was that the coins were sort of like in the bottom of a rock. So I think that really the when the teams arrive, they're like picking up the rocks. It's like, OK, well, the coin is going to be under a rock. Uh, actually, no, it's, uh, you know, you got to look at like the bottom underneath one of these rocks. Uh, and I think that that was where we had all four teams really struggling at one point along the way. I think mathematically, and this is not my forte, that if you are the first team to find one, okay, you you know, obviously, you know, there's like, uh, you have a four in however many rocks, but when you are down to Dusty and you are the last person left, you are like at a much more significant disadvantage of finding one gold coin now among all those rocks. Well, that's been the, that's been the situation with any of these classic uh, needle in a haystack kind of tasks where you want to be the first person to get there so that you're not, so you have the highest probability of finding the rock. 
Like mm-hmm. the last person is just basically hosed. Yeah. But I do feel like in the past with some of these, there have been not the same number of teams. Mm. Like I think let's go, let's go back to needle in a haystack, right? Jess, you tweeted this out last night, the infamous season six roadblock that had one of the front runner teams uh, end up just like completely self-destructing where they had to literally find a needle in a haystack by unrolling hay bales. I don't remember if that was what nine, only nine needles, or if there was like a fair number, but not nearly as, you know, uh, insurmountable odds as one-to-one. It has been a while since I've seen that, but as I recall, I think it, they said that one in every 10 hay bales had a clue in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also kind of common knowledge that they definitely found at least one clue and they didn't know it. Yeah. So that's the thing is that I do feel like they usually account for, okay, you're not just looking for one. You have a little bit of a better chance. I don't know if it was because this was the final four and they tried to ramp up the intensity or whatever, but yeah, this felt particularly OTT in that there are only four coins. And so Ryan and Dusty were looking for one singular coin in a mm-hmm. field of thousands, which sounds almost like a, a Greek myth in and of itself, right? It sounds like Sisyphean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because they knew this was a non-elimination leg. Uh, could you pull this task out where had this been an elimination leg, maybe would they have not done it the same exact way? Yeah, they may have given you a little bit more to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, because it seems it seems peculiar that there were like of the like of the roadblock and one detour and the other detour, two thirds of those tasks were just random blind chance. I don't think they would do that twice in a leg. They might do it once, but back to back needle in a haystack challenges, that's completely unheard of i'm surprised we saw two in an episode to be Mm -hmm. honest yeah and it would just be terrible right because Mm -hmm. it would just say like yeah well you can have all the skill in the world but like sometimes you just pick the wrong thing and that would essentially have been the lesson of the day when yes amazing race and a lot of these competitive reality shows have so much luck thrown into them but like to have an entire leg of the race predicated on it entirely is just sloppy Mm -hmm. yeah And boy, how far we've come from, what was it, the second leg of this race of uh, find the clue in a stack of letters to (laughs) ultimately come here. Uh, This is this is a, you know, grown up amazing race now. Yeah, it's it's probably it's a good thing Penn didn't do this one, I think. (laughs) Is this a coin? I don't know if this is a coin. He'd be like throwing all the rocks at the Oracle of Delphi trying to figure out if it it is what it is. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know I don't know how you make that hard task even harder. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think he'd find a way. Arun and Natalia are going to struggle so much with the getting from point A to point B. Just what's what's the disconnect? It's not that they can't <laughs> drive the car. Do they not know how to read the map? They're not listening to each other. Like there mm-hmm. was a point in that episode they even kind of they showed a little bright shiny light on it where they're driving and Arun says left or right left or right and she says right right he's like you have to tell me left or right she says right and he says no no you have to tell me why aren't you telling me left or right and she keeps saying right and he keeps not hearing maybe her. it was like a who's on first that thought she's saying correct that's exactly what I that's exactly what I thought it was like okay mm-hmm. right I will do that no you have to tell me left or right I was very surprised again like the interpersonal team drama made this episode. And not to say that it was a meltdown for Arun and Natalia, because, again, they end up coming in third. As Phil says, it's their best finish yet, and it was second to last. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I think that I was a little surprised with how 
And I'm going to fault the killer fatigue with this. What happened with Arun in particular in this episode? Uh, because it seems like Arun is like, just seems like this awesome guy, like super cheerful, super positive, jumping up and down. And for whatever reason, over the course of this leg, despite the fact that they were doing okay, uh, he was very short with Natalia. It seems like he wasn't really understanding what she was saying. Uh, even the jokes he was trying to make are not exactly coming off in the best way possible. And again, I'm not going to like, uh, you know, castigate Arun whatsoever. Don't say strike me down with lightning like, like <laughs> Dusty says. But I just thought it was an interesting change in temperament for Arun from what we saw previously. And I can only imagine it's chalked up to just like, how exhausted and frustrated they were by the time this leg happened. He also has a knee injury uh, that we're going to hear about later on in the episode. Um, but speaking of uh, just their lack of communications in the car, uh, this is uh, one one clip that I had pulled. No, I didn't understand one word. You're speaking in Greek or what? Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he did like the, the Tommy. Yeah, the Tommy was so like, uh, oh, that's a funny story, Natalia. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that should have been your response, Rob, to your uh, your rock bottom joke that you made before. Ha ha ha. Well, the, the problem, though, to go back to one of your earlier questions, Rob, it does seem like everyone got a little confused with the maps. It was either the maps or the road signs uh, that I guess Thessaloniki is such like an archaic town that there weren't a lot of like route markers to get there. And so they really were riding blind for a good portion of time. And it seemed like what Ryan described, they were actually given a map of the city, not a map of how to get to the city. So I do wonder if it was also the producers kind of throwing them in with the sharks a little bit of like, all right, well, I know you don't love self-driving, but get ready to do it because we made it about 10 times harder for you. Mm -hmm. Not to mention they were really unfair about the editing i think when it comes mm -hmm. when it comes to getting around like every time someone said all of the signs are in greek you would like within 30 seconds you would have a cut to a, a picture of signs that are not in greek mm -hmm. I'm like that's mean don't do that yeah maybe it was like metaphorically like it's all greek to me well, i think that's the joke that yeah. arun was trying mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like that was the, that has to have been a name of a detour when they were when they have it in Greece, right, Jess? I feel like it's all Greek to me. It has to be I'm, the name of a task. I'm sure that has been the name of a task. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the Leave No Stone Unturned. Uh, we meet the Oracle of Delphi and just uh, that the Amazing Race characters uh, that show up. Do we have any insight into how this works? Do they have like a, like local theater companies that they are in touch with to, you know, all right, we need an Oracle of Delphi. We need a Socrates. We need a Napoleon. Uh, like, how does the Amazing Race come to meet all of these like uh, local actors? You know, I was wondering the same thing. And also like the costumes, do they just carry, the, are those like in a, in a garment bag on the Amazing Plane the entire time? Mm -hmm. Or do they... Do they come with the actors? I was wondering the same thing. The only insight that I have into this 
is um, I have two anecdotal things from about from 10 plus years ago. But Amazing Race China did a leg in New York City and put out a casting call for someone to dress up like an artist and sit in the middle of Times Square. So I assume that they must do some casting with locals. Yeah. Like even on the tasks where you have like, you know, the barrel maker will hand you your next clue. That guy may work there or may not. Mm -hmm. Um, And they always have to kind of vet you for camera readiness because some people are better on camera than others. And the other thing that I know is um, back last summer when we were talking about the mole patrol, um, there is a book written with a bunch of behind the scenes content about season two of the mole. Um, If you ever want to watch that and you don't want to be spoiled. Don't look that book up because you will know immediately who is the mole. Yeah, um, it is written by the mole. <laughs> it is written by the mole and it's called like confessions of a mole. Um, but anyway, they mentions a task where they were in Italy and there was a gladiator task and they had to fight some guys in armor that were production assistants, like just dressed up in the armor. And so I think sometimes some of those people may just be, PAs that they dress up in costume. Mm, okay. Sometimes it's local actors. Sometimes it's PAs. Sometimes it's the people that work there. Wasn't sure if maybe like the Oracle of Delphi, this is like her main gig. Like she's got the amazing race today, bar mitzvah tomorrow. I mean, know. I don't think the Oracle of Delphi is like the Santa Claus of Greece, if that's what you're implying. <laughs> like I've got to go to Greek Macy's and have the kids sit on my lap. I don't so think I she's like Santa Claus, but you know, is she like a uh, wonder woman? You know, is she, is she doing uh, other like uh, kids birthday parties? She might have a lot of costumes. Mm-hmm. She might be Oracle of Delphi today. She might be Elsa tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm, the Oracle exactly. of Omaha tomorrow. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, Oracle of Arendelle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was interesting though because it seemed like uh, she she was acting a little bit like the the you know the libations that they end up taking in at the the restaurant. She may have had a little one too many because she was just like sitting there like wide eyed, just leave no stone unturned. Like she, I know that she's supposed to be prophecy like, but it does seem very much something out of like I don't know. I was reminded of Ghostbusters uh, when, <laughs> when people get possessed to talk about the keymaster and the gatekeeper. Yeah, there is no Dana, only Zool. Exactly. Only exactly. <laughs> there is no stones, only oracles. Mm-hmm. Um, in total fairness, she didn't say it that many times. They used the same clip over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did like uh, like uh, like like extreme close ups. Like uh, they're really like uh, in the oracle. Well, she's, she, she, she's sitting in one place. They can't get her from many more angles. You know, she's, mm-hmm. not, she's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I, I was so. intrigued by her entourage, though. Oh, uh, because what were they doing? They were just like hanging around. They they had no involvement. Tell they me about no the entourage. Lines. I didn't catch them. They were like what three people just kind of sitting out, just I observing. I suppose the the shenanigans ensue in front of them. It's a pretty boring show to watch, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But like, get your entertainment however you want to in ancient Greece. Yeah, the turtle e and johnny drama of the Oracle of Delphi. <laughs> yes, exactly. Eris mm-hmm. turtle. <laughs> Okay. So, all right. Everybody uh, is uh, in the midst. Everybody's uh, going to be going through it. Uh, we see, you know, uh, Kim is uh, is there uh, first. Uh, eventually, uh, she uh, gets it started. Um, Kim has uh, a very funny meta commentary, Jess, about uh, what happens when mm-hmm. you are very close to accomplishing your goal, but screwing up on the amazing race. I love this. Um mm-hmm. 
and especially I think the I think the editors loved it too because mm-hmm. it gave them something very fun to work with. Yeah. And one of these days I'm going to get one of those symbols and I I might even just bring it to the podcast and like every time one of you says something I don't agree with I'm just going to I love this how we've now devolved into like costumes and musical instruments are just appearing on this. We've become a variety show. I love it. You love it because you did it, Mike. You're the instigator. You started it. I love it so much. But I mean, just save it for the the Foley task we're getting next week, right? Oh, yeah. Coming up next week. That was not what I wanted to say. Wrong transition. Mike, in Survivor 41, didn't we also get this with Tiffany was talking about how like the idol was she knows it was right next to where she was looking. We got that. I feel like we've had this in other Survivor seasons where people have talked about how I know the idol is going to be right next to me. Yeah, so it is a little bit of a difference where sometimes when it happens, the camera just pans over to it. But when it's actually very hard to spot, we get the sort of like highlight box around it, right? And we got that with Tiffany with the idol because we know that was hidden in like the little post, right? Jeff went by to that actual camp and said like, oh, let me put this in here and go on my merry way. And this happened here in this task where obviously, you know, we weren't able to discern what stones were what to begin with. And so I really love the iris closing in. I also got to say like, I know this was a big episode for Dusty, but man, I loved Kim in this episode. Kim was fantastic uh very i think sympathetic uh given you know my own personal struggles with mental health and anxiety i love that she was essentially like it's sad to say because again it's a little bit of shot in front of it but like letting it show on her face the entire time just her griping her way through this entire task was incredibly relatable right but her between her saying like oh this is usually meditative but right now like i am absolutely in hell uh, this is not an actual task. This is a nightmare. Just I I really enjoyed all the entertainment that Kim brought. Unfortunately, it does come at the cost of her sanity a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Kim wears her heart on her sleeve. And I think that's what makes her the most enjoyable person to watch, maybe on the entire season so far. Um, and especially like having the insight from her from the podcast that they have been doing to recap the race she has mentioned at several points that one task just kind of it was so emotionally intense that it just sort of threw her for the rest of the leg and that's not something we hear about very often i mean i assume it must happen often but mm-hmm. once she said that like i've been kind of watching it happen this was one of those legs where it's like she's going through the rest of the leg but she's still at the stones mm-hmm. and it's never she never quite bounces back from it and I feel like a lot of times we watch this show and we think that something looks much easier than it probably actually is, especially after you've done something much harder before it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a useful indicator of exactly how hard some of this really is, even when like a task in a vacuum might not be hard. Mm -hmm. The other teams are going to be uh, struggling mightily as well. Uh, we're going to have uh, Arun uh, ultimately is going to be doing the task for Arun and Natalia. And then uh, Raquel is uh, in the mix. And of course, Dusty uh, is in there. And Dusty starts off uh, this in good spirits. I need my gold. Where is my gold? Okay, is is uh, Dusty channeling a leprechaun or is that gold member? I really want to believe it's the latter. <laughs> I think Dusty has posters of all three Austin Powers movies front and center <laughs> in his house. 
He says, I don't want to show my son angry, Dusty. I do want to show him the collected works of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. And Austin Powers being chiefly one of them. The man of a million faces. (laughs) I love gold. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, But I think we're, we're bearing the lead here, Rob. Yes. We need to talk about the fact that Dusty barked at a cat. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Dusty, I don't know what was going on. It's like we saw like the deterioration of uh, Dusty's mental state. Uh, he's like uh, uh, was like regressing to a caveman. He was reverting to his dog form. Yeah. Yeah. He was going a little Cro Magnon or Neanderthal, as uh, Brennan Villegas would say, previous Amazing Race contestant, like throwing the rock around, which I get, like very two thousand one, a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Okay. Waiting for that big opalus to come down. Yeah, he's a cine- he's a cinephile, Dusty. He has the gold member and the two thousand one. Yes, yes. Look, we we can't have it both ways. He's either a dog or he's Leonard Malton. He is not both. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he contains multitudes. I Truly, the alpha and the omega. <laughs> so yeah, Dusty. Uh, you know, even this is when everybody was out there. He was starting to uh, lose it. Uh, we had. You know, it was cool that they showed us where everything was. Just, did you think it was odd that all of the gold coins seemed to be like in uh, one half of uh, the rock pile? I don't think that's odd because I think they're kind of accounting for the idea that once somebody finds one and then once somebody finds a second one, you're going to be like, well, they're not all over here. We <laughs> yeah, go it, over was, there. it was cruel. It was really cruel. Mm-hmm. It's an exceptionally mm-hmm. cruel task. Mm-hmm. Something else that I have learned about this task we were talking about like if you're the last person there especially you could move the rocks around so you know which ones you used or you know what if you could somehow like indicate which ones you'd already looked at you can't do any of that it was explicit in the instructions Mm -hmm. um and i even like i made a terrible dark joke about what if you cut yourself could you like put a bloody fingerprint on all the ones you'd look at and and we got confirmation from kim that you could not in any way indicate which ones you'd already looked at. Okay. So that makes it even harder. So were you able to take the ones you looked under and leave them upside down? Um, no, apparently you had to put it right back where you found it. Ah, uh, cause I would say you could also, uh, throw them proverbially out of the amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, well, mm-hmm. this one's done. Yeah. Nope. Not allowed. Because just, I did feel like towards the end, I, I felt like that rocks were being turned over, uh, upside down after. I don't, I'd have to go back and look again, mm-hmm. but I, was, I would imagine there was a little bit of Mark and Bopper effect going on with Dusty, right? Maybe. Of like, of like, listen, dude, we're going to invoke a bit of a mercy rule. You've been here for a while. You can leave the stones unturned. You just, just leave them up. Leave, no, you can leave the stones turned. Yeah, you can. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I was, I, that's the other thing. Oracle of Delphi really putting out a double negative there. Very grammatically How? improper. But does it even make a difference? How are you going to know whether it's upside down or right side up? It's a stone. It doesn't have like this end up on it. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I did feel like that they had more of like a flat surface uh, that they were on. And then I felt like that something that it was like more of like the curved side up. Something that I thought was also really smart was that I don't believe all of them, maybe a couple of them look the same, but all of them look different. And that could have been a huge game breaker, right? Of being like, oh, the stone looks like this team that I'm in an alliance with. Please help us. They really, you know, thought of that and decided to make them all look different. And, and then maybe that's also the person of like embossing them onto the bottom so that mm-hmm. when we have these clips like Raquel kicking one over and not realizing it, that there's no notice of it because you're not seeing that 
splinting piece of gold <laughs> on the ground. Instead, you're seeing it, you know, on the underside of a rock. Can I get a smoke and a pancake? <laughs> with, the, with some milky milky. <laughs> I think Dusty has like two voices. It's that voice and his normal voice. No, he also has the barking. And he mm-hmm. also has the bark. And the yes. bark. Sure, sure. His first voice. So Raquel <laughs> ends up uh, being the first person through. Uh, she she does it, and uh, they're through. And I think at that point, like, even though the they all looked a little bit different, once she had one, I think everybody knew what at least they were looking for. It wasn't like a coin sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily like a coin painted on the bottom. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty distinctive Mm -hmm. yeah so she gets it she gets from the oracle of delphi her treasure which is the clue her treasure Mm -hmm. here is your treasure yeah so the oracle of delphi sends her on her way um need to go find socrates mike this was weird (laughs) (laughs) it absolutely was but it is quintessential amazing race of like go and listen to this thing like it's not even a task it's more so like a 30 second yield of stand and like watch this person do their thing. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, the infamous uh, ice cream eating speed bump that the Beatles <laughs> had to do in season 21, where it's like, watch this trolley ice cream scooper do his song and dance, go whoop, 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 gotcha, gotcha. And then you get, and then you get your clue. Yeah. It's essentially like an extended period of watch this guy's performance artist routine that he's been workshopping since junior year of college, you know, a one man Socratic experience and then get your clue. Not for anything. Just, I I was told that here on the amazing race here during year two of our pandemic, we were going to take the contestant safety, like don't stand too close to Phil. (laughs) Here comes Socrates. Now, again, that uh, he has knowledge no ignorance, no evil. He got really up in everybody's face. He kind of did. I mean, this was pre-Omicron, so it's possible that they felt like we're outside. Uh, but they were the using state, the Greek like- alphabet. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, It all makes sense. I didn't see any Omicrons, but I don't really know what they look like. So, uh, yeah, he got right up in their faces, but they're also outdoors. I think mm-hmm. it was well dissipated. I was interested to note that he did sort of look like the guy they got to play yeah. socrates <laughs> or socrates if you will in bill and ted mm. i love and, that i'm like oh well then we know this is from historical accounts this is what he looked like well there is a famous renaissance painting of like the death of socrates and both gentlemen look a lot like that picture so i assume they're just using that as their frame oh, of reference maybe that's but, the time period they were encapsulating with the performance was like post hemlock right before he's about to die. Like, these are his final words. And that's why he's so dramatic. Mm. And he goes like, you know. Yeah, I just uh, took a whole bunch. Yeah. You don't think, (laughs) Jess, that the Amazing Race may have access to the Bill and Ted phone booth. And they actually are getting these historical figures to answer our earlier question that you don't think this was the actual Socrates. I'm 95% sure that is not the actual Socrates. Mm. Uh, I know it's Phil the Rufus right now. He's going to be like, uh, check you later, dudes, and then hop into the yeah. amazing I mean, Bill and, and Ted, off. I think once upon a time, probably would be a pretty uh, <laughs> not, not bogus uh, Amazing Race team. I got to add that to my list. I have a list that I've been keeping. This is a very sad admission. I have a list I've been keeping of like celebrities I think would make great Amazing Race teams. 
Mm-hmm. I got to put Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter on there because that would be hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. they did just do a sequel. Excellent. How many times are they going to play the Wild Stallion motif whenever <laughs> they, they do something like the Harlem Globetrotters theme? I mean, that's probably not expensive to get the rights to that. It's also but, like four notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm angry at these teams because none of them went up to Socrates and said, dust, wind, dude. <laughs> I would have not been able to contain myself. Yeah. I'm dead, Dusty, known yeah. movie yeah. lover. I'm surprised right. you didn't do it. <laughs> Brackley has his name in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Anyway, uh, so the teams are going to go uh, meet up with uh, Socrates. It was funny when Kim and Penn get there. Like, uh, Kim and Penn are like so attentive. Like, uh, Kim is like yes. writing in the clue. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you don't need to worry about this, Kim. But I, it's understandable given what's uh, Totally, totally. But it's like, uh, like this is just vibes. No. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. This guy's given like fortune cookie wisdom, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also love this is much later, but when Dusty and Ryan are doing it, and you know, it's the like, there's only one true good and one true evil, and Ryan goes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like he was actually engaging in a philosophical It's discussion. a Socratic mm-hmm. dialogue, Mike. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. literally a Socratic dialogue. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Uh, meanwhile, back at the rock pit, Dusty is uh, really uh, struggling. Really uh, sinking to new lows. Uh, we cut back to him like uh, at least two or three times solo looking for these rocks or looking for the gold coin. Yeah, he has kind of a hangdog expression on his face. <laughs> Certainly. Um, the moment that really turns it around, seemingly, is when Ryan says, like, uh, why don't you take a break? Why don't you come take a look? Uh, come up here. Jess, in the pantheon, to use a Greek term, of <laughs> all uh, of... Yeah, all-time all, all amazing race uh, supportive teammates... I mean, uh, could you imagine some uh, of the uh, past Amazing Race teams uh, taking their partner off the task to go give them a timeout? Well, a lot of times you're not allowed to. Hmm. I think there's many teams that would have if they could. Hmm. But this one, I mean, usually they make you like stand in the spectator area and just yell support. But this one was definitely... It was a really lovely moment for the two of them. And I think we've seen a lot of amazing race moments where the team kind of believes that they're doomed. They don't really yeah. have a they don't really have a sense of like, when are we going to be out of here? When can we finish this? Are we done? And so they just resolve to enjoy the day. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like this is a weird example because I think this is probably the least supportive team in amazing race history mm-hmm. with Vank and Ashton. In no. The aforementioned blind date season. They were done. Like they'd been U-turned by literally everybody at that point. And they're at Lake Como and they sit in the boat and they're like, we're just going to have a good day. We're going to have a, we're going to have a good time. We're going to sit in the boat and enjoy this beautiful scenery. And I love it when they're pointing out like, how lucky are we to be in this great place? And even if this task is terrible, you know, even if we're done after today, it's okay because, you know, we had a lot of fun and we're, in this amazing spot. So maybe you just need to take a breath and you can get what you need out of that to go on. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, save for Sherry and Akbar, uh, you know, we kind of got this with Lulu and Lala last week. Do you think that any part of this is sort of like, okay, post lockdown, here we are. Look at us. Like how lucky mm-hmm. are we were on the amazing race? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. We talked about this on the tar pit, uh, last week that we did with Chantel Francis. There is a, a secret scene of, 
the leg where they checked in by the river in Corsica and they end up going camping that night. There's a scene of the teams around the bonfire and they talk about exactly that. They say, like, just think about the fact that the, you know, things have kind of gone to shit right now. And look at us getting to race around the world and see all these beautiful things on the amazing race. And I do think these teams have taken the opportunity to not see the forest for the trees. I mean, this might be hyperbolic. I thought that scene was genuinely beautiful. And uh, Shannon Gus really expressed her, her like general love for the scene in many ways. So, you know, I'm going to echo a bit of what she said, but I I loved just both the roles that they played, you know, Dusty, we know him as an animated character. We have certainly poked fun at his energy levels, Uh, but I thought it was so interesting to see his temper come out because I don't think I've seen that early in the season. Maybe I just wasn't looking for it, but I know he's the old Dusty. Yeah. Well, I mean, he certainly has gotten frustrated, but for him to talk about like, you know, I used to be in a really dark place and I don't want my son to see that. You know, that's something that we have seen a lot on reality television. And it goes a bit hand in hand with the Kim stuff, right? About this idea of showcasing mental health. It's obviously a different side of something like anxiety. But for Dusty to be so open about the troubles that he has had in the past and how, you know, extreme circumstances nearly pushed him to go into a very bad place again. And then for the one person to pull him out and teach him to be patient, to be the guy that spent 10 years unjustly behind bars and essentially having to learn patience for a decade of his life, missing out on 10 incredibly vital years, and has now come through on the other side when he could understandably be bitter and calcified towards the world, being like, hey, dude, come on over, stop grunting, let's go look at the, at the view. I just thought it was such like uh, an emblematic moment of both of these guys. And I thought it was just such a a really nice moment that honestly, I know that, you know, coming in, we had sort of written Ryan and Dusty off as like the dude bros uh, that wouldn't really bring a lot of personality. But I got to say, I really love these guys. I really love what both of them have brought to the table in terms of both their stories, their personalities, and now especially their connection to each other. Yeah, Jess, we thought they were going to be the boring team that won all the legs, and uh, it turns out they're not boring. They don't even win that many legs of the race. <laughs> it's true. I think, I you know, I can pinpoint the moment where we started to like them more, and I think that's when they started to stumble, mm-hmm. like when they proved that they were human or canine, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they weren't going to just dominate everybody. I think they got a lot more interesting. And also it gave it, it gave us a chance to really know what they're like. Because I think when you're winning all the time, it's not easy to get a sense of what your personality is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, the two of them, uh, very, very interesting pair. Uh, and this was a, a great profile into uh, Dusty facing adversity here. Eventually, uh, he will get through. He will ultimately uh, find. And I think that Mike, the coin that he found, I think was also like right up against the wall. Like again, like another like kind of trolley uh, spot for a coin to be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the final one was like right up in that upper right hand corner. But yeah, I mean, I was wondering and I'm glad that they answered our question by putting the timer down there on the bottom. Now, again, I wish we had gotten the other times. Maybe that'll come out in, you know, other materials from other podcasters in comparison as to like how screwed were Ryan and Dusty. But man, Three hours. Jesse would say that's nearly the length of Titanic, you know, less than Avengers Endgame. He was there searching for that coin. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows all the movie runtimes. Run um, so, all right. 
So congratulations, uh, Dusty. Uh, he will ultimately uh, get out. Arun and Natalia are going to be uh, struggling very much uh, just to get to Socrates. Um, not not even to get to the detour. Yeah, I was confused about that because like they're talking about a parking lot and the difficulty. And I'm like, oh, but they're just like parking on the street, right, to go to the restaurant. And then I forgot. Oh yeah, there's an entire Socrates task that they are still on the way to. This this was a difficult thing about the editing of this leg is that again while i think there were some awesome things in there with kim and pen with ryan and dusty some new stuff from raquel and kayla and arun and natalia i mean after that task everyone was just so spread out that there was really no climacticism to it whatsoever they were pretty much running on like a one-way train the entire rest of the way there was no way to pass each other up Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get to our detour. Uh, break them or bring them. Okay. Uh, in bring them, carry the plates, break them, break the plates. Uh, no one chose to do bring them. Uh, just uh, kind of an anomaly here to have a detour that nobody goes uh, to one side. I'm going to hazard a guess that they didn't think anybody was going to do that. I don't, in uh, fact, if somebody had said they were going to do that task, I am not sure what production would have done. I think mm-hmm. they would have said, are you sure? Are you really sure? Mm-hmm. You don't want to break plates? Because who in their right mind is going to pass up the opportunity to smash some stuff? Yeah. Especially especially after half of them just went hours combing through a field full of rocks. Like, this is the perfect excuse to take out aggression. You know, if the, if the detour had been like paintball target practice or like squish a bunch of stress balls, like they'd go for that as well. Uh, so, yeah, I completely agree. I also think it's not inconvenient that they also took place at the same restaurant, right? That the plates were delivered to the same place where Breakum happened. That I would imagine that they were like, yeah, we're just going to have, we could just make it a task of have people smash a bunch of plates, but let's like put a little bit of a veneer around just making it straight up another luck task for the second time in a row and give them a choice. Yeah. Also, those were not real plates in either half of the task. What do you mean they're not real plates? They were clearly like plaster casts of plates. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no glaze on them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't know how you put the clue in there otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you think that maybe in Greece, uh, it is big business just making uh, plates for smashing. Okay. These are our plates for eating. These are our plates for smashing. Oopa. Yeah. Oopa. Yeah. So... Phil describes the task, uh, and so you have to only smash the plates while the band plays. Um, you know, uh, Raquel and Kayla even say like, "Okay, oh, oh no, or, or or else if if we you only smash when the band is playing." We never found out what would happen if you smash the plate while the band wasn't playing. I think the band would put down their instruments, stand up. And kick your ass. I think that's what would have happened. <laughs> They'd break a plate over your head. Yeah. But the irony of it is that, like, wouldn't you, wouldn't the band want you to stop and listen to their music that they've worked so hard on and then smash the plates on their break? Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't it be the exact opposite? You would think so. 
Also, we never got a sense of like what the band break was going to be like. I feel like that if you were really going to make this into like a legitimate task, not to say it's illegitimate, but uh, like, okay, the band break, like in between sets, the band breaks for 10 minutes. You know, it was just like that. It was just like kind of arbitrary. Like, uh, how long did the band stop for? 30 seconds? Yeah, it it. didn't seem like it was just long enough to talk to your partner, Mm -hmm. basically. That's the thing. Yeah, it could have been the equivalent, right, of like uh, those those roadblocks where one person goes in at a time and attempts to do something. And if they get it wrong, they go to the back of the line and then they go forward. Uh, So like that could have obviously been the case. But no, maybe they used it more so as an equalizer. But like you said, because the the tenure of the band break was very short. Rob, you were laughing. Was it just because I was gesticulating with my arm? (laughs) No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. I I was just wondering if do you think that Dusty got a kick out of uh, this leg having a mini clue? (laughs) (laughs) It was adorable, right, Jess? It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's too bad George isn't, isn't still here because his favorite thing in the world is a Dr. Evil impression. <laughs> oh, that, he must have loved the Super Bowl. Well, we didn't watch the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. We got Find about that. 20 minutes in and he said, nope, I want to go watch something else. Find that on YouTube. I will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the little, little tiny clue, because it was baked into a plate, but it seemed like that even on the other leg, you got, if you carried the plates, you still got a mini clue. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, I think maybe this was an afterthought of, like, oh, we can't make the big clues. Let's, we just got a big stack of mini clues. Let's just keep using those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet if you'd carried the plates, you would have gotten to smash one at the end, and it would have had the clue. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Smash one flight. Okay. All right, so uh, a little dangerous. Kayla uh, got cut uh, smashing the plates. Yeah, looked it looked like I'm surprised more people didn't get cut. Yeah. But again, that's another reason to have like fake plates, because yeah. if you had like actual China plates, you would probably increase your risk of getting cut, especially if you didn't get the clue on the first try and you had to go digging for it. But what I was intrigued by was Kayla said at one point, like, OK, if we missed a clue, I'll put on my gloves and dig through there. Were they not allowed to wear gloves when they were smashing the plates? I would imagine that's the way to go on this. I think they were allowed. They just didn't. Mm. Yeah, I think the gloves, I think, would make it harder to, like, handle the plates, picking them up off the pile. I don't know. Maybe if you got those, like, grip gloves, you know, like the the toe shoes. Maybe. Put on your Um, hands. Have either of you ever been uh, doing any plate smashing? I have not. Well, not on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes, accidental plate smashing for sure. I saw a production of Iphigenia, uh, a Greek tragedy, if you will, uh, at New York Theater Workshop yes. my freshman year of college. Uh, it features someone that is really plays into all of our interests. Kate Mulgrew, Captain oh. Jane Lee herself, played Iphigenia's mother. And it culminates in a, uh, a climax where everything just goes bonkers and people are drowning each other in kiddie pools and smashing plates against the wall. And that's the only time from my perspective that I have seen people do it in celebration. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I could think of uh, a couple of times. Uh, one was uh, uh, a drunken night uh, in my college days, which which predates my big fat Greek wedding. So I don't even know I how say, we I knew think, about I think this. that was the one that really popularized it, right? Mm-hmm. Hence the, the opa of it all. Yes. Uh, starring Joey Fatone, who was in uh, in sync with uh, Chris Kirkpatrick, who was you know, interviewed I, by Mike Bloom, who is on this my, podcast. 
So six degrees of separation. I did think of that recently because after watching, of course, Chris Kirkpatrick on the show, I was thinking like other members of NSYNC, what their possibilities were. And I was like, remember when Joey Fatone did acting for a while? Remember when he was in my big fat Greek hmm. wedding? Yeah. I don't remember if he was one of the Knicks, but I feel like he was close to it. I think he was one of the cousins. Um, but the- I remember when he was on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Um, the other time that I was involved in plate smashing was that, uh, right before I went on survivor, when I used to, I bartended in an Italian restaurant, but it was owned by all Greek people and they had like a big party and they brought in like, bring in the dishes tonight. We're tonight. We're smashing dishes. I don't even know what the occasion was. Yeah. How did the Greek people feel about owning an Italian restaurant? Did that feel, I don't know. Wrong I don't know. to them. Uh, There's a I, lot of Greek restaurant owners yeah, in the tri-state area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they own every diner in Diners, New York yeah, you name it. By the way, I have been uh, craving a souvlaki uh, since the last podcast. I've been like uh, looking at like uh, Greek restaurants on my DoorDash uh, ever since <laughs> uh, we did the last podcast. But people say I don't like food. I mean, you can get a you can get a chicken souvlaki, Rob. You know, the thing is, uh, I'd like to go to the restaurant, but I feel like I don't know if my kids are going to eat it. They'll eat French fries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give them some French fries. Okay. All right. They just call it the French fry restaurant and yeah. you get something else besides French fries. Yeah. We'll just try to uh, go out and get some uh, Greek food still. I'll uh, see if I'll put it on Instagram uh, once once we get there. All right. Insta-Greek. Insta-Greek. All right. So uh, we're, sm- we're smashing plates. Uh, Raquel and Kayla, it seems like they uh, had to smash the most plates to get their clue. Or maybe because they were just the first team to do the task. We saw them doing it for the longest. Yeah, they, I think they overthought the whole uh, you can only go when the band is playing thing. Like they were going one, two, one, two. Like they were trying to put mm-hmm. their own rhythm to it. When really it was just like each of you take a stack and just smash as many plates as possible in the time allotted. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Raquel and Kayla are through. They're headed to the pit stop. Um, <gasps> did you did you love this uh, this week in Phil's Perd Happily as quotes? Did the, the, the White Tower? Yeah, when he goes, uh, the White Tower, it got its name in 1891 when someone painted it white. <laughs> yeah. I was a little uncomfortable by everybody opening their clue and screaming White Tower. <laughs> <laughs> and they went just charging down the streets yelling it. <laughs> it's not a good look. I blame that man in 1891 who painted it white. Personally. He should have painted it like green or something mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's the one who started this entire mess mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> okay uh so uh the holderness family uh they were breaking the plates uh kim uh wasn't necessarily as festive as pen was uh understandably after going through uh the rocks task i love this uh because it's very understandable it also speaks to like my own dynamic with my wife where mm-hmm. i'm like come on like just say hey or opa trying to like lighten an incredibly opa. tense mood. And understandably, she's like, absolutely not. No. Get me, get no. me out of this nightmare right I'm now. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm relatable. Yeah, I'm like, come on, come on, put the toga on me. And she's like, I'm taking the child and I'm going. And <laughs> I'm the night. Yeah. George spent a lot of the morning running around going, hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Yeah. But Jess, you don't want him uh, breaking plates. Uh, like, are you going to turn this off? Yeah, I told him. Leave the room uh, during you, this part. You can only break plates if they're specifically breaking plates. Like mm-hmm. if, if it's a plate designed for breaking, you can break it. But none oh, okay. of the plates in this house fit that description. Good. I like that. Don't give him like a zoo pal and be like, try to break this. That might also get him going for a while as he tries to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. Okay. Um, Cause this child might break something just by touching it. I don't want to encourage him to do it on purpose. 
So Raquel and Kayla, they head to the pit stop. They're team number one. And they're going to Hawaii. Looks good. I don't know. That that hotel looked a little janky. Oh, okay. Oh, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about everybody booking their whole their hotels oh, yeah? with the app. Yeah, what was that about? Yes. Product placement. Okay. Yeah, but like yeah. product placement, I can't remember. I feel like you're usually with product placement, right? It's like, okay, we're gonna book our trip that we just won on the Travelocity app. Right. Not, okay, we're gonna do the producer's job for them and book <laughs> our own hotel for the night on Travelocity. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to pick like a Hyatt Regency, which is a pretty nice hotel. I think they deserve it. They've been camping and who knows what hotel they put them up in the other nights. Mm-hmm. Are they like uh, dipping into the mini bar? Do you think they have like the producer's credit card to do what they want to with it? Mm-hmm. I have maybe. I mean, uh, after some of these legs, uh, it's understandable. Yeah, I've. I would definitely. I'm definitely not going to be like comparing options to find the budget. I'm going to go straight to the nicest hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, Kaylee Cuoco. I'm not bargaining here. I'm going <laughs> to find a. Uh, the most expensive thing. Does she do still do the commercials <laughs> for Priceline? Yeah, it is Priceline. Yeah, not even. Yeah, I think she, uh, Shatner handed the baton off to her. <laughs> well, yeah. he went off into space. Someone had to do those commercials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we uh, see that uh, Kim and Penn, uh, they are off to go to check in at the finish line. Uh, they are going to be the second team to depart. And then really we ended up uh, spending a lot of time on, okay, Arun and Natalia versus Ryan and Dusty for who's got third place this week. And I can't believe that they actually managed to inject any kind of suspense into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm did not you sure see- they were successful. Dusty would have loved the cinematography on this one, right? Yeah. The like mm-hmm. cut to black, cut to black, close it on Phil at the pit stop. Here's Dusty and Ryan running in from camera left. Arun and Natalia running in on camera right. You're like, oh my God, this could be a foot race. Absolutely not. No. Not whatsoever. It was not close. So Arun no, and Natalia, not. they're going to struggle with directions to uh, to get there. They finally get to the plates. Uh, Arun and Natalia seem to also be having some communications issues about breaking the plates, Jess. Yeah, they seem to, well, it was, again, it was one of these cases of them talking past each other because mm. they're both like trying to tell each other how to break the plates correctly. Mm-hmm. And they're both doing it kind of the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I'll give credit to Arun here. I, I did not love his like, no, Natalia, you're doing it wrong every single time. But when Natalia does find it, he does congratulate her yes. as well. So like maybe there's a little bit of a recompense of him being like, oh, I was totally wrong. Opa, I was totally wrong. <laughs> you know how to break those plates. Yeah, it seemed like that uh, he was saying she's not breaking them properly. Uh, she needed to. And who knew there was a proper way to break plates? Well, it could be like, remember those survivor challenges they used to do back in the day where you would use a slingshot to break a tile mm-hmm. and like sometimes... If you broke a chip off of it, like sometimes it would count. But if you only sometimes when you shattered it, it would count. I feel like that was the case here of if the clue was in the exact middle of the plate and you were just breaking shards off the sides, it could very well Mm -hmm. be in a plate you've already smashed and you don't know it. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Ryan and Dusty, uh, they've got a second wind. Uh, They are going to go to break the plates. They blow through that. And then it's really we get into like a bit of a foot race where Ryan and Dusty are headed towards the pit stop with the help of one of Dusty's old friends, a four-legged one. Rolling, uh, scruffle up against. Yeah. Take us to the White Tower. See you, buddy. Yeah. You cannot make this up. You can't. You we can't manifested help. this. 
We made this happen. This was all us. Retroactively, like we somehow got in the phone booth. We mm-hmm. went back in time and we made this happen. Yeah. Like I am, am flummoxed at this moment that this ended up actually happening, that this ended up becoming a thing where we brought up several weeks ago, wouldn't it be funny if Dusty was a dog and we've had our ha-ha-has about it, a room style, for the past little bit. Oh, we got Dusty on the line. Uh, and then here we are with a shot that Jess made, a screenshot of a picture of a dog with Dusty in the subtitle with a dog following Ryan and Dusty around. It's absolutely ridiculous. In the same episode, in the same episode where Dusty literally barks at a cat. It was amazing. People were tagging us left and right. Like, oh my God, Dusty has the power of dogs. Like he's like Aquaman. Just like summoning the dogs of the city. Run with us, boys. Take us to the pit stop. Show us the pit stop, boys. Rob, do your kids read the dog man books? Yes, extensively. Yeah, mine does as well. And that's the only thing I can think of now, especially after somebody asked me to Photoshop the dog head onto Dusty's body. I was like, oh, I just made dog man. What like BoJack Horseman fantasy is that a dog head on Dusty's body? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dog head on a man body. That's dog man. Um, yeah. I really hope like if Dusty, Dusty, if you're listening to this, I hope you're not upset and offended by this joke because we mean it with all the love. And it is literally the funniest recurring joke that has ever happened on this <laughs> podcast and possibly on all of RHAP. Mm-hmm. Please don't take it from us because <laughs> I'm not sure what else there is for me in, in 2022 <laughs> right now. This is I, all I'm Jess has, this. okay? This is all I have. But all that being said, he cannot be mad because it has now become reality. There was camera footage, recorded footage of a dog following him around while Dusty says, thanks, buddy. As, mm-hmm. if he met, as if he ran into a friend from college in the streets <laughs> of Thessaloniki yeah. and said, oh, you're not going to believe this. We're on the way to the White Tower. I know what it sounds like. Would you mind getting us there, pal? We'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He speaks dog. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment. It's a great moment. <laughs> a, a Scruffleupagus. Every dog has its day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so what do you think about the name Scruffleupagus, Rob, as someone who recently named a dog? Uh, it's fine. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I, it's not a true dog name like Dusty. You know. Fair. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Jim Henson company might, you know, <laughs> want to sue. Yeah. Okay. So uh, who's going to make it to third place? It's Arun and Natalia. And so Phil is a little shady with uh, Arun and Natalia <laughs> about how, like, oh, look, you have to have luck to get to this. And Arun is not having it. He's like, it's not luck. We're good racers. I think Phil was just salty because he probably had a whole speech prepared about Aruna Natalia being non-eliminated for the fourth time, and he didn't get to use that speech. Mm -hmm. So it's like he didn't really have anything prepared for this. Oh no, I think that he had a bet going with the pit stop greeter with Diogenesis, Uh, and Diogenesis was like, "I bet you it's Aruna Natalia," and Phil's like, "No, you don't understand them. Like you're so cynical." I gave them the spiel. It's going to be 
Ryan and Dusty in third, and he's just unhappy that he lost all these drachmas to the pit stop greeter yeah. and making the wrong. Bet. What was with uh, <laughs> Diogenes? He had like his own like kind of cave, like off of the mat. Yeah, he, well, he, he had like a, a sleeping bag. Yeah, I, I I looked this up. Okay, um, he he is famous for. Um, in fact, they even have a syndrome named after this. He was kind of he lived in squalor. Mm-hmm. And he apparently, for many years of his life, he lived in a giant jar in the marketplace. A jar? Yeah. A giant jar in the marketplace. Yeah, well, big enough to fit him. You can't, like, sleep in a pickle jar. Why does this feel like a David Blaine thing gone wrong? It's like David Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> First rule, don't live in a jar. Ah, yes, that was the true uh, Greek testaments uh, that were set down from the very beginning to democracy, the the rules as to how to win in Greek life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but there's a apparently like it's, a you know, when elderly people get older and they start like hoarding things and not taking care of themselves, it's called like Diogenes syndrome. Hmm. Um, But his thing was he lived. Yeah. So they had they gave him his jar and. So that you knew which guy it was. And I'm pretty sure nobody got right up there and like, oh, that's Diogenes because he's in the oh, jar. That's his jar. Oh, oh so cool. cool. Wow. Big Wicked. fan of work. Yeah. Do you think that do you think the teams had to stay in the jar for the night? No, they got to, uh, they had to book their on the app. Which jar do you yeah. want to be in? <laughs> which jar do you want to live in tonight? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh yeah, he gave uh this speech to Raquel and Kayla about how you have two ears and one tongue. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, Diogenes. Okay. So, all right. Then, so, um, I also like that we saw uh, Arun and Natalia where uh, Arun says to Natalia, like, uh, hey, come on, do it for mom. Uh, And uh, it was only last week that Arun said, stay focused. Do it for mom, dad. Mom, I am doing it for myself. Yeah. But Natalia can do it for mom. I think he realized that, like, uh, much like Dusty, he was a bit in the doghouse after saying that. After mm-hmm. the, the the footage came out, so he's like, "All right, let me let me go back, smooth things and, over, uh, sort of cover yeah. my trail here." Yeah. All right. So Ryan and Dusty they arrive at the bat, and uh, they are the last team to arrive. Uh, and so I, I thought this was a little surprising. Uh, so Phil is gonna is gonna talk to them about it. Digging through the rock destroyed me today, man. I mean, you guys have been the best performers throughout this race and today everything just fell to bits now look we know at one point ryan and dusty uh look like they had this thing but for phil to say that ryan and dusty have been the best performers on the amazing race factually is not true at all Mm. no again it's like just you know, you bring your preconceived biases into the race. You're like, oh, those guys are very strong and they want a couple of legs. Mm -hmm. But again, this is another thing pointing. We are trying to underestimate Hen and Kim because they've got this in the bag. Mm -hmm. And editors don't want to be like, they don't want Phil to be like, Hen and Kim, you keep winning things and you finished in the top two in the last five legs. You guys are unstoppable. How are you possibly, you know... it doesn't seem like anybody's going to beat you and then nobody beats them. That's not a fun story. So mm-hmm. they're trying to undercut this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do like, uh, use a, a piece of Greek parlance, right? Like this was their Achilles heel. <laughs> they were unbeatable up until this point, And then they got taken out due to the rocks when in actuality, if we go back a few weeks, you know, it was that cheese task 
that took them down to the back of the pack and they just have not had the ability to catch up since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stupid milky milky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So for Ryan and Dusty, uh, that they, you know, uh, you know, it caused Dusty to walk the line uh, this this time through. Uh, one of his favorite biopics. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we saw where uh, Dusty doesn't want to go back to the old Dusty. And so uh, that they, they basically, uh, you know, told that story and they're going to be departing last. It's not going to be easy. They're going to have nobody to follow. It's going to be tough. I mean, they have a lot of dogs to follow i think they'll be able to summon their their brood again and be able to just follow them through mm-hmm. they'll Portugal be underdogs for sure they can call the pack mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go uh and that's that's it for leg number nine of the amazing race so we set up our two-hour finale for next week uh do we know where the teams are headed uh before we ultimately go to los angeles yeah, we're, we're making a stop off in Portugal. Ah. Uh, we're making a stop on the Iberian Peninsula as they sort of make our trip back west to Los Angeles. So, yeah, there was a little bit of like uh, scenes, right, of teams running around in like a big outdoor sort of like cathedrally looking space. Uh, so we're stopping over at Portugal for our penultimate leg where the last the fourth place team is going to be eliminated. And then assumingly that final leg in L.A. OK. Any other thoughts as we head into the two-hour finale of The Amazing Race next week? Um, I am tired of them trying to package this as a two-hour finale when it's very clearly two episodes back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Like anytime Amazing Race is like, you know, a special two-hour episode, I'm like, you don't mean that. You mean a special two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the reasoning? Just that they want to get it in before Survivor? Yeah, I assume they just want to get it in yeah. for Survivor. But and this was the this was the rare week, right? Besides before Celebrity yeah. Big Brother, where they had the the eight to ten slot freed up. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, well, uh, that it, the show's on at nine o'clock anyway. But Survivor is gonna be a two hour premiere coming up on uh, March sixteenth. Everything's just sort of bunched up because uh, or, or March 9th because of the Olympics. Right, that's very true as well. Is that they sort of had it, you know, all packaged into it. Uh, we were, I was talking to Jess before we came on here. I don't know. It's felt both very short and very long to me. Uh, it was, you know, when I'm looking back at this is, okay, this was week eight of the amazing race. I was like, oh, this flew by. But then at the same time, I do feel like the non-elimination, elimination, non-elimination, elimination sort of uh, streak of the back half of the season has kind of stretched it out to a point where sometimes I look back on some of those legs, particularly the non-elimination legs where I'm like, wait, what happened? So I, I feel displaced in time much like bill and ted and some of these people brought in to play these historical characters of you know the past couple months have been fun they have both felt like a blink but they have also sometimes felt like a little bit of an eternity considering where we started things all the way back in in in, uh was it in january yeah i guess yeah yeah so i think january 5th was the premiere of the amazing race so uh yeah it's been you know it's been on for a bit but yeah it just has been like a team has only been kicked off the show every other week so it's a little bit of like a you know start stop pace and uh, you know we've had teams that are eliminated and then they're back and then we brought in more teams and they're eliminated and uh you know it, i think that if if we had to uh go through it i think we only had a team eliminated uh you know the the week the first week like it's, it's been every every other week and of course this is the first time i get to regularly join you for exit interviews mm-hmm 
And now, like, nobody's getting kicked off. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to do, you know, grand Well, I, We like, did them last season. Yeah, I guess we did. Mm-hmm. And maybe the one before the one before that also, right? No, the one before that I didn't do okay. interviews with you. That yeah. was the reality star okay. season, right? Yeah, well, not all of them uh, were so willing to do the exit interviews from what I recall from uh, that season. There was that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been... I've been very excited. I've gotten to do two exit interviews mm-hmm. this entire season, and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now we have uh, now we have four coming up. Yep. So I, I so we should say, you know, for next week, I know that in our separate sort of venues, we're going to be speaking with all four teams. Let's let's put uh, you know let's let's put our money where our mouth is in a manner of speaking. What's going to be the order of finish for the teams for next? Okay. Week? Oh, a prediction time. Okay, Mike, do you have yours loaded in? Sure, I'll start. Uh, so I will go, listen, I'll go Occam's Razor here. I'll go Aruna and Natalia fourth. I feel like I, I just don't necessarily see them slipping through. I think Ryan and Dusty had a bad day. Uh, they take a one down. They sing a sad song, but they are going to turn it around. And I think that, you know, with no offense to Aruna and Natalia, again, they're lovely people. I just think the other three teams are a notch above them in terms of racing ability. And so when things are relatively equalized in Portugal, if there's not going to be a bad day, an egregiously bad day like it was for Ryan and Dusty, I put them as a chalk pit above Aruna and Natalia. Okay. I will go with... Now, this is tough because you could say, like, okay, now Raquel and Kayla are having this late surge. You know, Ryan and Dusty now have this big piece of story infused into them of, like, they were riding high, and then they took a dip, and now they're coming back up. But I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go Raquel and Kayla third, Ryan Dusty second, Kim and Penn first. Uh, I think I'm just, again, I'm just going to go super simple. I think if you look at the first place victories with the exception of that Anthony and Spencer outlier, it's been basically Ryan and Dusty and Kim and Penn until Raquel and Kayla finished in first here. So I think it is going to be a battle between those two teams. I think Raquel and Kayla are good, uh, but I don't necessarily know if the track record's leading to a win there. I would be happily surprised if that's the case because I... I don't think I've talked enough about this. I love their personalities. I think they are such a fun team. They're not team fun, but they are such a fun team. But I think I, I agree with what Jess has been saying. I think a lot of stuff is pointing towards a Holderness win here. And I do feel like them defeating Ryan and Dusty specifically very much shades to me of, you know, Joey and Kelsey beating the green team in Amazing Race 27. And so we're, we're, I think we're going to see that happen again. Okay, uh, so the, you have uh, Ryan and Dusty second, and then Raquel and Kayla third? Yeah, because I also would imagine that there might be a memory task. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, maybe the memory task is all the dogs you met along the way, in which mm-hmm. case, like, oh, that's a five Advantage hole. Dusty. Yeah, yeah, K9 hole, if you will. But uh, I would imagine that the task on the final leg will not be incredibly mental to slow down Ryan and Dusty, so I think they're going to relatively stay in it. And so, again, if I was just looking at those three teams as just general racers, unfortunately, I would put Raquel and Kayla third. And then I'd say that Kim and Penn uh, edge out Ryan and Dusty there. Jess, how are you feeling? I think I got to co-sign everything Mike said. Yeah. Um, although, you know, the final leg is not necessarily an aggregate measure of all of your racing ability up to that point. So much as usually it's like who got to the bungee jump first, that person gets to win. But mm-hmm. I think Kim and Penn are going to get to the bungee jump first, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the editing is pointing to that. But also, to look at second and third, I think we know a lot more about Ryan and Dusty than we do about Kayla and Raquel. 
I think they've gotten a lot more character moments. I think we've gotten a lot more about their background and not just because they have this fascinating backstory. I think the show is setting us up to know them very well. So I think there's like a 5% chance it's them winning, but I got to give the field to the Holdernesses. Yeah. And I think I probably agree with the both of you on all of this. I feel like that Kim and Penn, I think that they have it. I think they've had uh, the uh, story arc uh, throughout the season of an, a winning team on the amazing race, been very rootable all season long. It's really, I think that a lot of the season has been their story. Um, I think Ryan and Dusty rally to second place uh, from where they are right now. And then I think uh, Raquel and Kayla, I think they're third. I could see them second, uh, but I think of mm-hmm. Natalia. I think that next week. Uh, we kind I, of all agree. Yeah, I think it's probably the end of the line for them. Now, that being said, I would not be surprised if any of those top three teams end up winning uh, because I don't think we have that team, like you said, Jess. Like, there's not the, the the team Lolo where it's like, if they won, their edit absolutely came out of nowhere. Even a team like uh, Matt and Dana, the dancers that won the social media season, right? They were a little bit out of nowhere, but we at least knew some stuff about them as opposed to Logan and London. I mean, the the editing on these teams, as we've talked about before, is that I do feel like I know a fair amount about each of those presumptive final three teams. So, like, I could see a universe where it happens, but I think my chalk pick would be Holderness. But I do feel like that with The Amazing Race of any of the shows that we cover, I I do think uh, might have, like, the wildest. I mean, maybe this past uh, Survivor season is the exception uh, where (laughs) that I person like a team can come out of nowhere. And we're a little bit like, look, we did not see this coming. It happens. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. expect the unexpected, Mike. There we go. Uh, keep Ooh. our options open. Yeah. Ooh, Derek X. Yes. <laughs> you are on this season. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anything else? Amazing race before we head into the next time uh, we get together, we will be uh, talking for the finale. I should realize I should call him Derek Kai to go with a Greek alphabet. Yes. Show. Yes. Yeah, I think the two of you are probably better at the Greek alphabet than I am. We had no Greek system at my college. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to put in the request that uh, Mike comes to the next podcast fully clothed. Okay. What, what outfit, will, though? Uh, he can wear whatever outfit he wants, but I just want like the whole torso to be covered. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will uh, file that with my people. Uh, we will consult. I'll consult with my designers, Juan. Mm-hmm. And we'll see uh, what we're able to produce for the final episode of the season. Yes. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate your your bravery. Oh, thank you very much. Just wait until you see what I'm wearing for the slop. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's going to be coming out later today. Uh, Mike and Liana are going to be joining us uh, for the slop, talking about all the Big Brother nonsense uh, later on today. Jess, uh, what's coming up for you? Uh, what's going up for me? We got two things going on for me on post show recaps next week yes it's just kind of like the week where you know we're still we still got amazing race going on and we're into the premieres of all of my other shows try to keep it to one or two shows at a time but right now i've got this i've got killing eve with josh wiggler and brooklyn zed and josh is out right now getting his eyes lasered so he will not be joining us for the premiere, but Zed and I are going to be talking everything Killing Eve for the first two episodes. And then we also have Walking Dead going on and our usual panel of uh, Josh Wiggler and Chappelle and AJ mm-hmm. and I talk about everything that's going on in Walking Dead. Um, and that has been very, very fun. We're in the second third of the final season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we've got, we're in the home stretch and it's getting very interesting. It's taking a very interesting topical pivot in the last little oh. bit. It's like a weird choice to go this direction at the very end of the series, but I'm here for it. And I think we're having a lot of fun talking about it. So hey, if you I watch to, those shows, I'm, it's great. I'm, I'm intrigued. Is, 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 wow. it, is, is there a COVID outbreak? That would be great. I think they kind of did that in the prison arc. But yeah, they're mostly no, outdoors oh, anyway. Yeah. Did, did, yeah. did Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian show up? Is that mm-hmm. what you mean by topical? Uh, well, they did. They did, but they immediately got eaten by zombies. Oh, yeah. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson kind of looks like a zombie. I think he could pass as a mm-hmm. walker. I could. I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's been really great, and we get a lot of people saying that they're not actually watching the show anymore, but they still tune into the podcast so they can kind of keep current with what's going on. So whether or not you watch Walking Dead, I think it's a fun time to stop by our podcast. Okay, all right. Um, well, now I'm intrigued. I want to know what's going on. Uh, the copying the real world. Yeah, the, the the bad guys capitalism, Rob. Oh wow. Okay. All Ooh. right. Um, all right. Well, I mean. Uh, there's only two evils in the world, uh, Jess. Uh, <laughs> ignorance. Capitalism. Capitalism, yeah. Um, all right, Mike, what's going on? Well, now I'm just thinking about uh, the Walking Dead NFTs. That's my guess now for topical <laughs> subject that came up. Uh, yeah, so Celebrity Big Brother, we're doing this slop uh, later today, though I don't know. It might be out actually probably before this podcast drops, but if you're a fan of Celebrity Big Brother, you know I have been doing all my interviews of uh, this p- had a late night last night talking with the winner, the third placer, America's favorite house guest. Maybe at some point there'll be one other one that I talk to. We shall see. Don't hold your breath. I I don't plan on doing so, at least not to let out a high shrieking note. So that being said, really great interviews, including ones with Todd Bridges, Lamar Odom, Carson Kressley, all up at parade.com. Uh, as we mentioned, exit press for the of the remaining four amazing race teams are coming out again, probably before we record the podcast on Thursday, post finale, post show recaps. We're doing lost. I'm finishing up the X files. I'm finishing up the legend of Vox Machina. Got something new that is on the horizon, but I will not reveal that until all is revealed on Friday, but back to reality TV for a second, Rob, you and I have had so much fun these past years yes. since, since the reveal of the survivor 42 cast, you and I have released a podcast each week where we go through the recorded interviews that I was able to do preseason with the contestants of Survivor 42. We finally did our final batch of six contestants covering the Vati tribe. So if you want to listen to it back, it is almost nine hours of Rob and I listening to these clips, talking about these people and trying to get a sense as to what Survivor Are you shaking your head, Jess? I'm shaking my head. SMDH, guys. I mean that, I mean... Come at Mike Bloom for all sorts of things that he's podcasting about, but at least we're we're previewing a survivor season, Jess. This is journalism. And I love the previews. I'm just shaking my head at the idea of a nine hour podcast. No, it's three podcasts. Three 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 hour podcasts. You guys didn't do that in one stretch, did you? No, no. No, 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 Because you have small children. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get on the horn to both your wives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, I oh no, we we did them over the course of three separate weeks. This was just the final one. So to Jess's point, if you want to see our previews on the Ika tribe as well as the Taku tribe, those are up as well. But basically between that and my parade articles now being out with the cast, like everything you need to know about the Survivor 42 cast is out there. And as we make the very quick transition from the amazing race next week into Survivor 42 mm-hmm. the week after. And you're looking up stuff like, hey, I had my head in the sand. I've been turning over rocks for the past couple months in reality TV. Who were these contestants? 
check out what we're doing because we have everything you need to know about these 18 people who I'm really excited to see play Survivor. Okay. Um, Mike told you about everything with Survivor. Uh, we got the slop coming up. Uh, still talking about Joe Millionaire, uh, 90 Day Fiance, and Big Brother Canada is also uh, coming back next week. So plenty of stuff for you to check out. Make sure you subscribe to Rob as a Podcast. Go to robaswebsitecom slash subscribe to make sure you're getting all the podcasts that we are bringing you here in the spring of 2022. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. And we'll see you for the two-hour finale next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.